Spend your summer mornings with us. News, information, conversation, controversy, and fun. The Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. Sing a little sunshine song. Put a smile upon your face as if there's nothing wrong. Think about a good time had a long time ago. Think about forgetting about your worries and your woes. Walking in the sunshine, sing a little sunshine song. It's going to be a good sunny day today, both outside, and we always try to make it happy for you inside here on the Watchdog Morning Show. But uh, I don't know if the fog has burned off yet or not. We had some pretty heavy fog earlier this morning, but if it has or when it does... It's going to be another pleasant day, clear skies, sunshine beaming down during the day, high temperatures maxing out in the mid-80s today. Uh, over at the Big 7, Zach Petty and Adam Fike both say uh, it's going to be uh, very hot and the UV index going to be very high. So if you are going to be doing like I hope I'm going to be doing with my grandson today, which is going to the pool, uh, be sure to use sunscreen because otherwise, what did Adam say, 20 minutes? 20 minutes in the sun without sunscreen and you will... You will burn. You don't want to do that. So, so you don't uh, you don't want to do that. Sixty did I mention temperature? Sixty nine, Wheeling Ohio County Airport, sixty seven at the Highlands, sixty seven at uh a poolside in Elm Grove and 63 here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. Where's Montrose, West Virginia? Do you have any idea? I have no idea. Uh, down in Montrose, West Virginia, a man with was charged with wanton endangerment once again. He fired two shots at a vehicle. Why? Well, he just didn't like him, apparently. 60-year-old man. Uh, he was pretty honest about it when the cops came. He said, uh, after hearing a motor vehicle engine running outside his residence, just somebody, he could heard the engine running, he stepped outside and fired two shots at him. Uh, you're... I'm picturing just shooting up in the air, but you're saying I, he, he shot at, at the vehicle? There was no indication here that anybody was harmed. So it's, he said to fire two shots. And I'm okay. like, you, I would assume it's up in the air or over the top of the car. All right. Warning shot. I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know that for sure. Um, the troopers asked him, well, did they threaten you? Nope. Didn't talk to him. Don't know who they were. Uh, did they come up on your driveway? No. They were parked out in the front. Just came out of the house and started shooting. I don't, I don't get it. And, and he, again, he told the police this. After he fired the rifle shots, he said, don't bleep with me. Don't stand around my house with that damned Indian running. I don't even know what that means, the damn Indian running. I, I Hopefully it's, um, I don't know, is it name of a car or something? I don't know. Uh, at any rate, uh, he's been charged with wanton and dangerous being held in the regional jail on $50,000 bond. But I, I'm a total loss. Don't bleep with me. Don't stand around my house with that damned Indian running. What's the Indian? I, is I, I it a car? Is it, well, a that car? would be a motorcycle. I, I know it was named Indian. Uh, call off the air again. I uh, Is it Montrose? Is that how you say it? M-O-N-T-R-O-S-E. Uh, according to Jim, it's down in the Charleston area. But I was close to sticking up for this guy because, again, I've been through the state. And I know there's areas that, that you might get somebody's attention, and they might want you to know that they have a gun. Now, does that mean they shot at you? No. They shot, and they said, I have a gun. You don't belong here. Get out of here. Yeah, but how do you know? You don't I mean, they were just literally sitting in front of the house. I mean, Again, I was going to stick up for him, Howard, because there are places in West Virginia I could see that type of behavior. But, again, according to Jim, this is close to Charleston, so I'm going to stay out of this one. I'm, I don't know why this guy was out there shooting. This sounds to me like the guy's a little bit loony. Don't bleep with me. Don't stand around my house with that damned Indian running. It's almost Looney Tune talk to me. Anyway, I thought I would share that with you. If you have just joined us today, uh, we're doing bumper music from 1973. Uh, number one songs of 1973. I am really pleased with all the songs. Bob was not too happy with the songs, but that was my era for high music. Yeah, Howard would still be 19, uh, getting close to being 20. Well, you know, I again, Howard. The, the year started out so bad. You know, I was 10 years old, and I woke up in 1973 that, that the news that Roberto Clemente had been killed. Oh, yeah. You know, so for weeks, and I'm telling you weeks, I went to bed every night thinking of him. Are they going to find him? I hope they find him. So it didn't really get off to a very good start. But uh, I ask you, um, uh, off the air, Richard Nixon, his, his inauguration, 
sworn in. Two days later, LBJ dies. What that that was pretty. See, I didn't remember that. I didn't remember that. Did not remember that. Uh, the ceasefire in the, in the Vietnam War. Now, were you nervous back in those days, or did you have a good number, or because you were a college student, you weren't uh, well, sweating it too a, much? A, I was in college, and B, I had a good number. And and you know, it's funny because everybody knows they're numbered. I don't remember, but I, it was enough that I didn't end up having to worry about it. The uh, World Trade Centers became the largest, the tallest buildings, and that lasted for a year. The Sears uh, Towers uh, took them over. Yeah. Elvis Presley got a divorce, Howard. Do you remember that? I don't remember that. Well, I... Priscilla. Priscilla, Priscilla, yeah. yeah. He said, uh, I'm out of here. Now, I don't know if you remember this or not. There was a movie done about it, but uh, John Paul Getty III was kidnapped. Oh, the earless guy. Yeah, it's him. His granddaddy at the time, uh, J. Paul Getty, uh, was the richest man. Billionaire. In, he, he had all kinds of, he had more money than he knew what to do with. So they, they kidnap his grandson and they demand 17 million. That's a big number way back. But it, even in 1973, that was a huge number. You know what grandpa did, Howard? Paid the ransom? He did not. <laughs> he negotiated. He said, you know what? That's a that's too big of a number. I'm a billionaire. For, but you know what? Uh, how about 3.2? And you know what the kidnappers did? I don't remember. I mean, I remember the story. 3.2? <laughs> he said, no, I don't want to pay $17 million, But how about 3.2? So they cut his grandson's ear off and they sent it to him. And uh, they said, you know what? We're, we're pretty serious about this. So he sent them the money, 3.2. <laughs> so they took the money and uh, they said, Howard, that the grandson was never the same. I know you're saying yes because he he only had one. He ear. only had one ear. But uh, you know, did he, he kill himself? He got into drugs and stuff, and they said you know, but basically he did. He basically killed himself because his grandson. Can you imagine? No, I cannot. Can you imagine? I mean, I guess uh, it's hard for me to imagine, but I can imagine someone saying, "I won't negotiate." Period. That's not. I'm just not going to do that. But to negotiate, death. and where does three point two? All right. But Seventeen million. Maybe we'll give had you that your later on. All right, you say, look, I can just get all I can get is ten or five or four or three, three point two. <laughs> it's like somebody like he called his accountant and said, "Dude, give me a little calculation here." Well, he probably offered three. They said, "Ah, eh, you know, come up a little bit." He said, "Okay, three two. They sent him the ear, and he said, "Okay, we got a deal." You know, we probably shouldn't be laughing about this. I just want to point that out, um, but. I stop and think about it. It's like, really? You got to be kidding me. But wouldn't the main thing be you want your grandson alive? You just look, the main thing, release him. I'll give you whatever you want. Do not harm my grandson. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Especially, okay, if I don't have the 17 million, now we got a problem, right? Right. Exactly. Okay, Howard's not going to give me the 17 million, exactly. but I got a billion. Exactly. Exactly. Correct. <laughs> the number, and you would think, Howard, that was going to be the number one story in 1973. Nah. No. The story was in the summer of 1973, and the story was Secretariat. Just, oh. just blew all the records away. Triple Crown winner, Secretariat, 1973, Howard. So Probably we, the best-known name in horse racing ever, to the general public. Yeah. Ever. And, and it, it took an autopsy for them to, to realize what made the horse so, so special. It was he had an abnormally uh, large heart. Really? Bigger engine. So that's why he could run so fast, Howard. All right. I did not. All of that is much of that. I lived through it. Look, let me, let's, be, let's be as clear as I possibly can be. I uh, was, uh, you know, going to college at the time, and I was listening to the music, and I was uh, really not paying all that much attention to the news. Yes, I know. I had been a talk show host on the radio in high school, but by the time I got to college, my talking was all done at, uh, <laughs> what's the name of the bar I went to? There was, it was the Mario's. Morgan, Mario's. Well, Mario's I was at, and my name is, I always still remember the time that my son called me. Dad, is is this your name here on the wall at Mario's? The Drinking Hall of Fame. <laughs> yes, son, it is. Yes, son, that was me. Your dad hit the Mario Hall of Fame. No, there was a little, it was Morgantown's version of Bud's Bar. It was a townie bar. That I would go to all the time. I can't think of it. Luigi's, maybe? I can't remember. It was off right on High Street. All right, 916 here on the Watchdog Morning Show. Got a text from someone. Uh, Howard, what do these three things have in common? Wild Escapes Theme Park. The Belgian Waffle Shop promised for downtown Wheeling. 
and the Belmont County Cracker Plant. What do these three things have in common? I believe they're all the dream of somebody that's never coming to fruition. Yeah, they ain't coming. I have no idea what the Belmont County Cracker Plant uh, is going to do. I firmly believe it's, it's, I think it had good, in, there were good intentions. It wasn't like Wild Escapes, just a crazy made-up thing. But I think the Cracker Plant in Eastern Ohio was on target for a while. I don't think it's ever going to happen now. But we were going to have great economic boon from that. That's what they told people in Beaver County. Cracker plant up there, going to be huge economic success. Some folks in the Ohio River Valley Institute have done a little research on that and got some numbers for us. We'll talk about that next on the Watchdog Morning Show. How much could a cyber attack cost your business? The costs stemming from a cyber attack can vary tremendously, but are extremely significant. Recent studies have shown that the average cost of a data breach to small business can range from $120,000 to $1.2 million. In addition to financial loss, companies also suffer downtime, lost opportunities, and data recovery expenses that can all quickly add up. Could your organization survive a cyber incident? If you are unsure if you are doing enough to protect your data, reputation, and dollars from cyber criminals, contact the team at Omni Strategic Technologies today. Omni has the right tools and support to help keep your business protected. Call 304-242-7600 and schedule your free consultation today or visit omniperforms.com. Omni Strategic Technologies, the only cybersecurity and advisory firm that the Watchdog trusts. The Highland Sports Complex is the Ohio Valley's most exciting place to play. A state-of-the-art facility offering fun for the whole family with a climbing wall, arcade, indoor turf, hardwood courts, classes and camps for kids and adults. Plus, you can take a break in the on-site cafe. Learn more online at hitthehighlands.com or better yet, stop in and visit the Highlands Sports Complex at the top of the hill off I-70. Everyone appreciates the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe, even Governor Justice. Howard, you're a good man and I appreciate all you do every day. Thank you, sir. Weekdays, 7 to 10 a.m. on the Watchdog. As the weather warms, Ohioans are finding more ticks. Avoiding tall grass and wearing light-colored long pants and long-sleeved shirts are just a few things you can do to protect yourself. After being outdoors, be sure to check for ticks, and if you find any, remove them, and watch for any symptoms if you find any bites. For a full list of ways to prevent tick bites, visit ohio.gov ticks. We're changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer at Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now when you use the promo code ColumbusFan, you score up to $250 with that first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code ColumbusFan. Download the Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code ColumbusFan, you're going to get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLING. Live from the Robinson Auto Group Studios in the heart of the Ohio Valley, this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. There's got to be a morning after. We're moving closer to the shore. I know. Uh, bumper music from the uh, 19, from, from 1973, 50 years ago today. All the songs Mr. Slider has selected are number one songs uh, during that year. Maureen McGovern? And it was from a, a hit movie. Remember the movie? Uh, the Poseidon Adventure. Very good, Howard. Yeah. This is my, I'm telling you. You're <laughs> right in your wheelhouse. If you are right on me. <laughs> if you've gone one year lower or one year higher, but 73, man, I was uh, yeah, in between beer. <laughs> I was listening to a lot of music back then. 69 at the airport, 67 at the Highland, 67. Poolside in Elm Grove, where I plan to be as soon as we get done here on the radio today. 63 degrees here at the Robinson Auto Group Studios, downtown Wheeling in the heart of the Ohio Valley. It is going to be nice and clear and sunny all day. Mid-80s for the temperatures. We here in the upper Ohio Valley for years and years kept hearing about the great economic boon that was going to come because of the cracker plant. There were people 
who, in fact, there was a study done, I want to say by WVU, I could be wrong, I think the Chamber of Commerce presented it, where they basically said, the only thing that's going to succeed, the only thing you've got coming in the future is this cracker plant. And we've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Look, it's not going to happen here in eastern Ohio. Again, I believe there were good intentions. I don't believe it was a scam. I think it was intended to be uh, an opportunity. They bought all the property and so on, but it didn't come to fruition. But boy, were we told when that cracker plant comes, it is going to bring thousands and thousands of construction jobs. It's going to bring good paying jobs for working at the plant. It's going to spur all other kinds of industries around it. And the Ohio Valley is going to resurge again. That's what we were told. Now, it's not going to happen. Okay. But not just to the north of us up in Beaver County, before we started talking about the cracker plant, Manesson started talking about their cracker plant. And I think it is almost completely built. I think it is operational now. And they, too, had been heard, been told all of the great economic boom that was going to come from it. So I thought it might be worthwhile finding out how has it worked out in Beaver County. Eric DePlace is uh, with the Ohio River Valley Institute, and they should report recently on that. Eric, good morning. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So you, when this plant was proposed in Beaver County, the, the, the predictions were, as they were here in eastern Ohio, when it was talked about construction jobs, gigantic increases in tax benefits, uh, economic spinoff uh, in large amounts, and it was going to kind of be a, an economic, I don't know what the word to use is, not a panacea, not a gold mine, but it was going to be just an economic, a glowing spot of, of positive economy up up in Beaver County. Uh, at least that's the way I remember it. Am I remembering correctly? That's what it, what it was pitched as? That's, you're, you're exactly right. And so we got we got these claims, and there, there were very specific reasons why they made these claims, but they were saying, you know, 10,000 construction jobs, 17,000 jobs in associated industries, in businesses that were going to move into Beaver County to, to take advantage of being near the cracker plant, you know, literally hundreds of millions of dollars in annual economic activity and on and on and on. Um, and they were making these promises for Beaver County, for Belmont County, Ohio, and for some other places that were also um, proposed as sites for cracker plants. Um and what we did is we went back now, spent 10 years since they originally proposed uh, some of these projects, and we looked at, well, what happened since the since they bought the property, since they started construction. You're right that the Shell property in Beaver County has been uh, operational since November of last year. And so we just went back and looked at all the publicly available economic data there is. Everything's in the public record and just added it up and said, well, you know, did they live up to the promises that they made that community? Uh, and to the ta- taxpayers of Pennsylvania because they got a huge subsidy for that project. I would, um, I would guess, yeah. Eric, I would guess that the construction jobs probably were close to what they predicted. Yes or no? Uh, they were in the ballpark. They said 10,000 construction jobs. Um, th- they probably had about six or 7,000 people on site during construction. They now have kind of rounded up to around 9,500 okay. in like construction sort of adjacent related activities. So they're not so far off. And they got the number of jobs at the plant about right to about 400. Um, that's great. No shade on that. We're excited to see development in Beaver County. We think it's a good thing to have uh, a robust manufacturing industry there. But the problem um, with the cracker, but, the problem the cracker plants is, I shouldn't say problem with them, is that the actual jobs at the plants themselves are really not that large a number of jobs. Um, you said 400 in Beaver County. I thought maybe even less than that. What we had heard was it's the spinoff that was going to create the real economic value from the cracker plants. So have we seen spinoff in Beaver County? No, absolutely not. And, and in fact, they can't. The, the backers of that plant, unfortunately, cannot identify a single business that has located to Beaver County. Not one? Because of that plant. Not one. And what's crazier is that Beaver County has actually, even, can, even counting the construction jobs, they actually lost jobs during that period by every single way, way you can measure employment and jobs. That, I mean, that's so, that's incredible. So, look, I, I, I have always been skeptical about the, the total economic value that these plants have been suggested they would have. But surely I figured they'd have a couple of new businesses come in, but none? No. In fact, in fact, Beaver County, there are three different ways you can measure um, <clears throat> business and, and establishment growth uh, in a county. They've lost businesses in every single one of those ways of measuring it. 
they've actually lost businesses since the plant was first. So Shell bought that property and made its announcement in 2012. We started the clock then, but you can look at this through construction. You can look at this through COVID. And it's, it is a, it's a sad story because the exact opposite happened of what Shell promised. And, you know, personally, I think it's because, you know, you can take those little plastic pellets that come out of that cracker plant. You can ship them anywhere cheaply. You don't need to locate in Beaver County to, to get plastic pellets. Right. And there are probably a fair number of people who don't want to live near uh, a petrochemical plant like that. So, you know, I think their promises really – I mean, not I think. It's a fact that their promises did not live up to the hype. Um, now, I, you it, know, it impacted, if I can go on for one second. Go ahead. It, it yeah. impacted the people, too. I mean, things like the, the poverty rate and, and, and children in poverty and so on. These things did not improve. They actually lost, right? Yeah, so that's right. That's right. If you look back ten years, Beaver County was actually doing a little better than Pennsylvania and the rest of the country with respect to poverty and child poverty. And when we when we look at that period over the course of the crackers construction now into operation, it's actually fallen behind. It's actually got a higher child poverty rate now than Pennsylvania than the rest of the country. Um, kind of the same story with poverty. And so you know that's got a real impact on on locals. And so you know it is definitely true. That Shell can make money from that plant, it is not clear at all that the people of Beaver County, um, you know, benefit from a project like this. That's a huge project. The, what about what about tax? Don't doesn't the county get some significant tax value from it? So, you know, great great question, and, and I think this is this is really where the next level of analysis needs to go. So, when Shell decided to locate in Beaver County, they did that because the state of Pennsylvania wrote them the biggest tax subsidy in state history at that time. Completely unprecedented. They gave away $1.6 billion in state tax money in order to get Shell to locate on that side of the river as opposed to Ohio, West Virginia, or somewhere else. And so Shell said, sure, we'll take the 1.6. We'll build this project. But it was all – and Governor Wolf, who was you know, in office at that time, you know, had said you know, this is going to be a great deal for the state of Pennsylvania. And so we're going back and saying, look, you know, they made some specific promises about what, how good this would be for Pennsylvania. You know, where's the money? What, you know, if I'm a Pennsylvania taxpayer right now, I want my money back. I feel like I just got mugged because it, it is not producing the benefits that the industry promised. Um, and, and it's one of those situations. And, you know, you can – this is crosses partisan lines because Wolf was a Democrat. Um, but people get, in Pennsylvania gave away the farm. For this project and got you know as far as we can tell there's no there's no return on investment you know and there was no there were no um requirements on shell i i know in more recent years even here in west virginia which i think is still very backwards but even here in west virginia when they give some state tax breaks they now tend to attach certain things to it you must employ x number of people within x number of years provide x number of value there was nothing like that when the tax break was given uh to shell not as far as we understand i think that the pennsylvania state legislature would have to go and and develop some new what they would call a clawback provision um to try to get some of their money back from that because um you know as far as we can tell there's not an opportunity right now for you know and for the legislature to do that and i i think it's i think it's a tough jam that the state of pennsylvania is in because um you know, they, they, they believed in promises. And I get why people would want to believe those promises. Like, believe me. And, you know, it's just, it's just, it's unfortunate that at the end of the day, you look back, it's lost population, it's lost jobs. GDP growth in Pennsylvania has actually declined over that time. Like, that's shocking to me. Shell's making a ton of money. And the, and the, and the county of, of, of Beaver County actually loses, believe it or not, loses economic growth over the period of construction. And so, you know, it's a raw deal for uh, for the locality there. Now, let me try to um, see if, if we've analyzed this correctly, though, Eric. Um, you mentioned it's only been operational for about a year. Are we are we trying to analyze this too soon? I mean, is the economic value still to come? You know, so that's it, a great question, and I think the answer is we don't know. But I, I do know that we will come back, you know, every year or so and run all the numbers again and, and take a look. So one reason to think that what you're saying is right is that, you know, it only started up in November 22. Um, it's, had some, it's had some pollution problems, so it's kind of gone off and online a couple of times. So we, it hasn't really, like, clicked into gear and it's operating like, you know, it probably will. 
So it's possible that, you know, give it five years or something that things start to change. Totally possible. I don't think so, but, you know, we'll see. The, the, uh, the other side of that coin, though, is there's an argument that Beaver County is actually past the high watermark with that, with that project because during construction they had, you know, 6,000, 8,000, 9,000. I don't know what the number is. They, you hear different numbers from different places, but they had thousands and thousands of guys on site building that project. They're all gone now. And so now you now you got to subtract out you know six seven eight thousand people who are working on the construction, then you're left with four hundred or so permanent jobs at the plant. When and we had that impact really hasn't been felt yet in the numbers, and so it, it could be that there's that there's actually a decline coming up. But again, you know we'll we'll see how the numbers shake out when we run this analysis again in a year, in a two years, something like that. Um, but you know, but of course you can always say like maybe things will get better in the future. Maybe they will. I hope that they do. Um, but right now, it, it sure doesn't look good. You know, a lot has changed in the industry since the beginning of these proposals. Again, I think in Belmont County, Eastern Ohio, I, I, I actually believe that the folks putting it together, I forget the name of the company that's the overarching company. They, yep. have, they had several um, uh, co-partners, too. But at any rate, um, I, I think they began with, with, with honesty. I think they felt it was going to be successful. I felt for them and hopefully for the area as well. But but the whole the marketplace has just changed. The industry has just changed. And uh, once upon a time, there was talk about crackers everywhere. We don't see too many at cracker plants everywhere. We don't see that now. You you don't see it in the Ohio Valley. Uh, you do see it a little bit on the Gulf still. So they're the still Gulf talking Coast, yeah. about it in Louisiana and Texas. And there's a couple reasons for that. Um, you know, I th- I think you're right that uh, PTGC, which is a hard name to remember, that was the the, the company behind the Thai company right. behind the Belmont County project. Um, I think they probably had good intentions. I think they did intend to build there. I mean, that's why they bought that site and, and cleared the land. Um, but the industry was doing a couple things at once. They were trying to build cracker plants in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio. They were also building pipelines to take the raw natural materials out of the region. And so they successfully expanded a pipeline that runs down to Texas. They built a huge new pipeline complex um, called the Mariner East System uh, to the east coast of Pennsylvania. And so a lot of that ethane, which is the raw material for these cracker plants, is now just being piped um, to one of the coasts, either to the Gulf or to the Atlantic. And so the economic case for building in the Ohio Valley is you know, probably much diminished from what it was you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago. Um, and I don't think the project has any chance of coming to fruition now. I think it's um, a no, dead I... letter. But I hope you know, somebody figures out something to do with that site, something that's actually useful and is not going to drive people away. Yeah, part of what frustrates me in this area is that just as for a long time people waited for the mills and the mines to reopen, there's been almost a stasis in some communities for, boy, we just as soon as the cracker opens, we're going to be able to, then, then, then things will turn around. And therefore, I think there was some lack of vision for looking to other places. Again, I, I'm doing this from memory, and I can't remember. I think it was a WVU study released by the Chamber of Commerce, where it basically said the only economic positive on your horizon in the panhandle is the cracker plant. And I think everybody says, oh, boy, wait, we can hardly wait for it to get here. And it ain't common, which means we've wasted 10 years of planning. Now, maybe, I, maybe, I, I, maybe I'm too negative on that, and maybe I shouldn't. But I, that's, that's my feel. No, I, I think, unfortunately, I think you're exactly right. And I think, I think the, the biggest problem is that missed opportunity. It was 10 years of waiting for, you know, for someone to ride up on a white horse and save, it, uh, save the economy. But, you know, instead of spending 10 years thinking, what can we do at the local level to really create local, not, not prosperity for a big corporation, but like for local families, for local businesses, for Main Street, you know, and I, that's not easy work to do at all. But that's unfortunately the work that has to be done. And I don't think it's the right strategy to kind of wait for some big corporation to show up and, and, um, and build a factory. And it gets especially complicated when you start rolling in the tax subsidies. You know, so if you if you were Pennsylvania, let's say, or but it could be West Virginia, you're going to give away one point six billion dollars. Why give that to Shell? Why not take one point six billion dollars subsidy and give that you know to small communities oh, yeah. uh, and, in a way that actually builds out some infrastructure, builds out some stuff that people can use? Let me ask you. I have to move on, but I want to one more. So you mentioned there are some cracker plants that are succeeding elsewhere, Gulf Coast primarily, and I I did know that. Um, 
Talk to me about that. Have there been success? Have there been communities that have seen great economic value from cracker plants? Oh, I'm sorry. You know, I, I, I may have been confusing there. No, we don't think that those communities. I, I'm I'm doing the analysis on those too. We don't think the local communities are benefiting. I think it's the same story as Beaver County. Okay. But the plants are up and operating, and the and the industry seems to have shifted its focus to Louisiana and Texas. So it, when new cracker plants get built, they'll get built on the Gulf before they get built in West Virginia, Ohio. Um, that's just the economic reality of the industry. But but what we have not seen, you know, you're not looking at Cantorelli, Louisiana, and saying, wow, they're really getting rich down there, because that's not happening. Um, and I think it's kind of the same story playing out in a different location. Eric, I appreciate the work you guys did, and I, I appreciate this report. You know, I think sometimes we, well, I don't think sometimes, I think most of the time we we all want to believe the glass is half full, and we buy into all the great economic predictions that we hear. We don't ask enough questions up front, in my opinion, and we end up discovering after a period of time, oh, geez, it didn't turn out to be the way we were promised it would be. I think I'm among those who think it's time for us to maybe stop offering tax breaks so much and just let business be business. That's probably never going to happen, but I think we need to start putting some uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, requirements on these companies. If you're going to get the tax break, you must do X or you will have to return your tax breaks. I, I, that, that, at some point, we've got to start paying more attention to that. At least that's my opinion. And I think your study here shows that uh, to, be, to be very, very clear. Amen. I could not have said it better myself. Eric, I appreciate your time this morning. Thanks for the work that you do at the Ohio River Valley Institute. And I uh, thank you for coming in and joining me today. I uh, appreciate the opportunity. Have a good day. All right. Uh, Eric Laplace uh, with the Ohio River Valley Institute, they did this study on the Beaver County plant, uh, all these great predictions about economic uh, just boon that became bust. Um, now, again, let's be honest, it's only been up for a year, so maybe things will go better as time goes by. And as I always said about the cracker plant and other things, the construction jobs were there because if you're going to build it, you're going to hire construction workers. So, that came pretty much to fruition, but then no no spinoff from that. I'm I'm told on a daily basis what a, a Debbie Downer that I, that I can be, and but I'll tell you this, Howard. Even at the height of the enthusiasm, I thought it was fifty fifty at best. Yeah, you know, I never bought into that. And when when you were talking to Eric, this is what I thought about, and I thought about the county commissioners when the whole Highlands thing started. And I can hear people saying, all right, oh, there he goes, sucking up to Randy Horton again, my buddy Randy <laughs> Horton. But listen, people, there were skeptics when the whole Cabela's things came. And yeah. they're going to give them that bridge. You're going to hey, name the bridge. Let's be clear. I was among them. Was you really? Because they said, that ain't going to happen. You're going to give them this? That's too much. No, why are you kissing Cabela's butt? Look what it did, folks. Yep. And it continues to grow and add up all that tax dollars. that They had the vision for that, and it worked. Yeah. And, and I— Again, when there was first talk about, you know, giving uh, the the the, uh, the TIF financing to Cabela's and then to some other places, I thought, man, you know, the value of this these retail places is in the tax benefit, and we're going to give it away. But in point of fact, Cabela's. Well, I, now I will say this: I think Cabela's was a greater uh, start. What's the word I'm looking for? They they, they they started more than I think even the commissioners thought. I mean, it it boom, it came. It grew, still growing, and and everything grew around it like, just like that, and 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 that's that worked out well. The cracker plant, I had high hopes for it, but I never really felt it was going to come to fruition. And I always felt here in the Ohio Valley we were putting too much stock in one big project. I want to come back to the city of Wheeling, to Mayor Elliott, and the council here. Uh, they've spent more time encouraging local individual entrepreneurs to get in business. Now, you don't get 10,000 employees with little entrepreneurs, but you get multiple businesses started. You get people who are living and doing well. That, to me, is the way you grow a community. And I think we've done a much better job of that here in Wheeling than uh, than we have had in the past. But the cracker plant, I, it's, it's, it's not. What was it uh, the texture said? Cracker plant, a lot of escapes. And this Belgian Waffle House, is, I've seen pictures of it. It looks like a wonderful place, but it just never seems to be opening. All right, let's get a quick news update from Metro News. Got a few odds and ends to take care of before we head into Bob Westfall and the Big Seven. 
West Virginia Metro News. I'm Chris Lawrence. Former Mountaineer basketball coach Bob Huggins continues to fight to get his job back. In a statement released Monday, Huggins said WVU lied about his resignation following his DUI arrest in Pittsburgh. Quoting Huggins, I did not draft or review WVU's statement. This false statement was sent under my name, but signature is uh, no signature is included. Now, WVU responded to the latest letter saying the university will not accept Huggins' attempt to reinstate himself as the head coach. Huggins says he does plan to stay in rehab. Now, Huggins could have that DUI charge dismissed and his record expunged. Metro News has learned that the Allegheny, Pennsylvania District Attorney's Office has reviewed the drunk driving case and determined Huggins eligible for a diversion program. Pennsylvania offers what's called an Accelerated Rehabilitative Disposition, or ARD, if certain things are completed after a nonviolent first offense DUI. The charge is dismissed and the criminal record wiped clean if the program is completed. The terms of the agreement offered to Huggins include a 60-day suspension of his driver's license, completing an alcohol treatment program, paying court costs, and completing 12 and a half hours of a highway safety school. You also have to pay a fine, which is usually around $3,000. Huggins blew a .210 on a breathalyzer when he was arrested on June 16th. That's considered a highest-level case in the diversion program. Huggins due back in court on August 17th. I'm Jeff Jenkins, WVMetroNews.com. You're listening to Metro News, the voice of West Virginia. Marion County Clerk Julie Kincaid is back in the Republican Party. The announcement came Monday from the West Virginia Republican Party, and Kincaid said the decision had nothing to do with the job. The biggest point I want to make is that this does not affect in any way how I do my job. Kincaid ran for office in 2022 as a Democrat and had been a registered Republican two years prior to that. Five finalists vying to become the 2024 West Virginia School Service Personnel of the Year, the State Department of Education, with the finalist names on Monday. From the Metro News Anchor Desk, I'm Chris Lawrence. Need a new suit? Looking for a good book? Searching for a unique gift? The Ohio Valley's premier shopping choice is the Highlands. Find jewelry, hot new tech, arts and crafts, over two dozen stores to visit. From Walmart and Target to Cabela's, Menards, Kohl's, and Old Navy. Plan a day out of shopping, dining, and entertainment at the Highlands. At the top of the hill off I-70. See it all online at hitthehighlands.com. Most of us are faced with uncertainty every day. Your job, your finances, sporting events, schooling for your children, and so much more. With so much uncertainty surrounding you, there is one auto dealership that you can be certain about, and that's Doan Ford. You can be certain that you always get a great deal and the best service afterwards. Being in business for over 50 years has given Doan Ford the reputation of being a strong, reliable dealership. Be certain. Choose Doan Ford. Online at DoanFord.com. I'm not buying till I check Doan Ford. You want a hospital rising up to the challenges of today's healthcare demands. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital delivers the right care close to home. Developing new and exclusive services. Recruiting top surgeons. Featuring the highest level of orthopedic surgery. Improving healing, rehab time, and outcomes. Offering innovative heart care through our WVU Heart and Vascular Institute. Establishing outstanding urology services with a highly experienced urologist and staff. Providing comprehensive, world-class women's health services. And equipping the WVU Cancer Institute at Wheeling Hospital with cutting-edge science for the highest standard of care. We embody the mountaineer spirit, building upon strong traditions, moving forward with compassion. WVU Medicine Wheeling Hospital, delivering the right care at the right place at the right time. Frio Stack and Associates Auctioneers, Realtors, Certified Appraisers specializing in antiques, business liquidations, multi-parcel land auctions. Frio Stack and Associates is a regional business offering the executor, attorney, agent, and other individuals the most comprehensive and technologically advanced auction and appraisal services available. For information on our service, call our office at 304-233-3168 or email frioauc at aol.com. Frio Stack and Associates sells the earth and everything on it. These are the 100 days of summer. And this is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe. Brought to you by WVU Medicine. And when the cupboard's bare I'll still find something there with my love 
of bumper music today, despite what you told me at the beginning of the show. A great run of bumper music today. 50 years ago today, 1973, our bumper musics today have all been number one songs from 1973. You don't think that's just a little cheesy? No! I think it's. I think that was a absolutely... That, that may be the best uh, of your themes wow. since we did the Western themes. <laughs> I mean, I, that's I, that was great. Now, again, keep in mind, 1973 was was a peak music year. Bro. Now, do you want to do like your graduation year where you really let loose, Howard? Was that a good year, too? <laughs> you know, uh, I didn't even graduate from WVU. And by that, I mean, when the time came, I said, I'm not going to walk. I took my last class. It was literally like two or three years ago. I finally called and said, could you send me my diploma? <laughs> Just a couple years ago. <laughs> literally, no, literally a couple. I, I now have it hanging in my office at home. But I, I just, I said, oh, I'm not going to, you know. Honestly, I had, true story. I, my last class at WVU, there's a story behind that that I'm not going to tell on the air. Had to do with me and a teacher and fisticuffs. But I'm not going to get into that right now. Uh, I left, packed up, came home, and I did a remote broadcast uh, from Martin's Ferry that, that day. And that's where I just got right, jumped back into radio. And I just, I never walked. I never got the, you know, the diploma. I literally, three, four years ago, I finally called the university and said, could you send me my diploma? I never asked you this before. What, your degree? I, Human probably, communication. I was say it had nothing to do with broadcasting, did it? No. Well, it, my, I went into WVU in, I guess it was called broadcasting. When I started, my plan I was broadcasting with a minor in journalism. And then it was the touchy-feely early 70s. Now I got you in trouble with your teacher, Howard. And they and they changed it from uh, broadcasting. There was a broadcasting component to it, uh, to human communication. What the hell is human communication? And it was all of this touchy feely stuff and nonverbal communication and peaceful communication. And I mean, I I did it. It was okay. You've you done know. well with it, Howard. And and the class that I had trouble with was a statistics class. Ah, I didn't have trouble with it. I did fine. He just didn't like me. And. Imagine that. I'm not So, literally, I just just got my diploma a couple years ago. Literally, just a couple years ago. It is nicely framed and hanging in my office at home. A proud graduate. You know, I, I know how you are with WVU, I, I, man. I, I, I never I never deny. I mean, I'm always happy to say I graduated from WVU with a degree in human communications, but I never, uh, and I would oftentimes still make fun of human communications. What in the world is, is that all about? But um, I didn't have, I actually didn't have a diploma until a couple years ago. No, I'm glad you, you said, I might have done some digging in there. I thought, okay, I hear what Howard's saying, but maybe we ought to take a closer look at that. This might be a real story here. You know, if I ever ran for office, somebody could be looking to see if my diploma says <laughs> what I... In, it might be in Latin, Howard. You might a, be in big trouble. You know, I can't read Latin. <laughs> Unfortunately, in the case that we're talking about, there was a, a New York Times reporter who could, could read Latin and says, I know what it said. Yeah, you got to be careful about that. Ten to the hour here on the Watchdog Morning Show. I wanted to do Huggins, but we have to do a break, don't we? Let's get a quick one. Let's it. do a break. Over the years, you've brought opioids into your home. They helped when you were in pain, and you held on to them just in case. But holding on to opioids puts your family at risk. Learn more at www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. As the weather warms, Ohioans are finding more ticks. Avoiding tall grass and wearing light-colored long pants and long-sleeved shirts are just a few things you can do to protect yourself. After being outdoors, be sure to check for ticks. And if you find any, remove them. And watch for any symptoms if you find any bites. For a full list of ways to prevent tick bites, visit ohio.gov ticks. We're changing the game. Help your bets stay hot this summer at Superbook Sports, the most trusted name in sports gambling with a direct line to Las Vegas. And now when you use the promo code ColumbusFan, you score up to $250 with that first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code ColumbusFan. Download the Superbook Sports app, enter the promo code ColumbusFan, you're going to get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 
The Highlands is the Ohio Valley's top spot for shopping, dining, and entertainment too. Play a round of simulated golf at the Four Seasons course. Grab a movie with family or friends at the Marquee Cinemas, featuring 14 screens of the hottest new movies in all digital and 3D. Plus, special promotions like Flashback Cinema. Or visit the Highlands Sports Complex with turf, courts, climbing wall, and an arcade. Shopping, dining, and entertainment. Just off I-70, the top of the hill, the Highlands. He has his say, you can have yours. Text us or call us and join the conversation. This is the Watchdog Morning Show with Howard Monroe, brought to you by WVU Medicine. this music really? i know you were you're about 10 years younger than i am about that so yes. I, I guess it was prior to your prime music listening years but man this is you know stevie wonder you are the sunshine of my life all right i'm glad you like it Howard. stevie how could you i mean stevie wonder stevie wonder greatest song i ever heard of the time sir duke stevie wonder love it um Tomorrow here on the Watchdog. Well, t- first of all, let's talk about this afternoon. Today here on the Watchdog, coming up at ten oh six, it is statewide talk line. Hoppy continues to be on vacay. Don't know where he is. Uh, he jumped on with three guys before the game on Sunday night. Before he left for wherever he's leaving for, uh, to offer his anger at the Bob Huggins story. Um, but uh, Dave Wilson filling in, and it looks like some good stuff coming up today, uh, including some talk about third party candidates. Uh, talk about the Huggins case and so on. So statewide talk line coming up next, the TV7 News at noon at noon, followed by, of course, uh, today is a Tuesday, so it's the uh, uh, Pine Room guys. I wanted to ask you this yesterday. You you, you might know the answer to this. Uh, I'm sure, I think you'll have an opinion. Uh, how close, actually, are Hoppy and, and Hug? Uh, would you consider those good, good friends that, that this might never be mended, Howard, or they were never good friends to begin with? Well, you're asking me a couple of questions. This will never be mended. I, I, let me begin with that. I mean, Hoppy, and you heard him, he wasn't just disagreeing. He was, you know, he called him every name under the book except things. You he, could say on radio. Except the things he can't say on the radio. I mean, he called him everything. He threw his wife under the bus. He threw his friends under the bus. He threw the university. He threw his team under the bus. He's narcissistic. He's, you know, I mean, so, no, I don't think it's ever mendable now. I, if you had asked me six months ago, I would have said, I think Hoppy has a small F friendly relationship with Bob Huggins. I don't think they were, you know, go to dinner kind of guys, but I thought it was a friendly relationship. But certainly since the Cincinnati incident and now the the DUI, Hoppy has been extremely anti-Huggins. So I don't know whether it was a change because of the incidents or whether he's always had this underlying dislike for, for Huggins. I, I, I don't know. I, if you'd asked me six months ago, I would have said, I think they're, they're not buddies. They don't go to lunch like you and I do, but, you know, they're, they're okay with it. Um, I don't know. You know the guy who I think, well, never mind, because he may never have to do it again. I think Tony Caridi, by contract. He's kind of in the middle, isn't he? Well, and he has to interview the coach. If, if Huggins becomes the he's uh, Tony is a great guy because he is able to walk that line between, I mean, he's got to. You know, he's got, I mean, he's interviewed uh, Huggins before. Oh, he's interviewed Neil Brown and the others because he's got a contract to do that for the network shows when these guys have been in trouble. Let's not talk about the DUI because now he's not the coach. But after the uh, Cincinnati incident, you know, Tony still had a contractual obligation to interview him. And Tony is a good newsman. So his job was to be polite, but to be firm. Do you think uh, folks in the state like myself and you, uh, true West Virginians, uh, love the program, love the school, are we going to sour on hugs? 
Oh, I think so. Now, if you had asked me three weeks ago, I would have said he's got a strong, and you were among them, he has a strong reservoir of support. In my opinion, and I don't know where you come down on this, I think he has squashed any reservoir of support by, by what he's done here in the last couple of days. I didn't write that letter. It's not technically correct. I want to coach back. And I, particularly when he said in his, uh, when his attorney said in his email yesterday, um, basically, the, the basketball team is in trouble and they need me. Now, that may be true. I'm not going to argue with that. But that is so egotistical and arrogant. I, I just, I, I think that's, again, when this incident occurred, what's it been, three weeks ago, whatever, I think there was still a strong reservoir of support for him there. And there is still some. I still see some on social media. I think this more and more, a lot of people are saying, this is, this is just too much. Well, wave, wave me off here, Howard, uh, but families say terrible things to each other. Do this. Fa- do, 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 this. do that. Do this. Uh, I'll try not to look at you. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, families say things to each other. Families do terrible things to each other. Uh, I look at it as a family, and people are going to say, you're an idiot, Bob, but I'm a West Virginian, and I believe we are here. I think we are a little bit different. Would, would you, I, 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 I wish, if I had a wish, it would all be resolved, and he would be back. Do you think, I mean, do you think, two questions. Do you want him to be back as coach, given all the circumstances we have? I do. Do you think he will be back as coach? I hope. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think, Bob. Bob, <laughs> I see your hand waving me off. Well, that's good, Howard, because we're out of time. I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's a chance that he'll, he'll come. Again, I said that to you weeks ago, but I absolutely firmly believe it. Now, I just, I don't think there's a chance. He, and you listen to the way WVU speaks about it. If, he, if he's back, he's back for ten minutes. He's back for ten minutes <laughs> before right. he's fired. All right, time for me to say sign on. See you. Bye-bye. Farewell. i got to go. i got to get out of here. Kirchival's got the calm coming up. Well, Kirchival's out of town, but statewide talk line. We will talk about the Bob Huggins case a bit more tomorrow. We didn't get into it nearly as much as I wanted to. Uh, Stephen Adams wrote a piece uh, in the Intel. The early campaigning leads to inaccurate polling. We've talked about the polling numbers and the Senate race and the governor's race. Stephen says, ah, don't pay attention to that. It's too soon. He may have a point. And should dogs be in restaurants? No. Well, I'm with you, but some people think yes, and we'll talk about that. Keep them out of the studio, too. Yeah, they should not be in this studio the way I saw them just jumping around. I'm sorry. Calm down. Take it easy. Hopefully we're back streaming online by tomorrow. Hopefully so. If not, be sure and tune us in on the radio. Bob and I shall return tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock on the go-around of this big gig. Please be here with us. AM 1600 WKKX Wheeling, FM 97.7, AM 1370 WVLY Moundsville. From ABC News. I'm Sherry Preston. Roads washed out, businesses destroyed, widespread flash flooding in the state of Vermont, where the capital city dam is only four and a half feet from capacity. If it overflows, the city manager says there will be few options for people to evacuate. ABC's Jacqueline Lee is in the town of Londonderry, just north of hard-hit Ludlow. Paula Schwartz and her family evacuated before the water rose in Ludlow. We kept hearing that the flooding was going to start, and we just got in the car. Her neighbor forced a kayak to her home to check on it. They're in the house, and they can't get out. Residents here likened the ferocious water to Hurricane Irene. Water expected to continue rising, cresting around noon today. No let up in the extreme temperatures across the south.